Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Christmas story was about that Mary and Joseph saw a snake. We just read a story. Look at, look at this! Look at this star. That's thunder. I only know the part of King Herod, and he killed baby Jesus. No, he didn't kill baby Jesus. An angel came to Joseph and told and told him that that Mary was going to have a baby. A train. A horse. Mm-hmm. And a donkey. Where the where where the animals lived. But Jesus was inside a bush. And then, then Jesus was in the stable and put it in the manger. A manger. The three wise men. The shepherds, the kings, and, and the wise men. My brother. Mm, fox. Cat. Wolf. Cows. Lions. Giraffes. Um, kitty cats. And piggies. Uh, dolphins. Dolphins are in the sea. Oh, uh. Chocolate. And mine is strawberry. It's Moses. I don't even know. Baby King, play the Lord. Play the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yay, Jesus is born. cutest thing you've ever heard in your life? Oh my gosh. Uh, the funny thing is the craziest answers came from our pastor's kids. So I, I don't quite know what to say about that. I, uh, you can trust us, I promise. Um, I, I want to thank you so much for your prayers and the way you were committed to invite people to the Christmas musical. If you're here for the first time at one of our normal services, we're so glad you're here. I think you'll find that we're a very inviting and welcoming family. There's no in crowd here. Uh, everyone is wanted. And I, I wish uh, that you could have seen the evening service if you, if you weren't there the amount of people that came that haven't ever been with us, and then the response to the gospel was just beautiful. And so thank you, everyone, for participating. And wasn't the cast and crew of the Christmas musical amazing? Let's just thank them. So blessed. 
by that. This morning, we're going to be doing what we've termed the live nativity Sunday. And if you're not familiar with the word nativity, it means the occasion of someone's birth. And what we're going to try to do today is bring this story that's 2,000 year old, 2000 years old into reality, because so oftentimes we can fairy tale uh, and, and kind of make believe or, or, or make it seem like something that's, that's not, not a, a real event. And I specifically want to make note of the different characters in this narrative and help you understand potentially what they were thinking and what God was trying to demonstrate through his interaction with each of them. And so we're going to be going through the story and reading a lot of different scripture, but actually helping it come to life before your eyes. So we'll start with Luke 1 in verse 26. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. I don't know if Gabriel was this big, but... <laughs> Here's what I want you to understand about angels. Angels are created beings, but then they live forever. And the angels were in heaven alongside Father God. Now, in order for you to understand the significance of the message that Gabriel was bringing, I need to explain to you the story of another angel. His name is Lucifer. And this is what Ezekiel 28 says about him. It says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. Lucifer was a lead worship angel. But he wanted to steal the affections and the glory that were only rightly given to God. And so God had to oppose him. And thus, Lucifer, along with one-third of the angels were thrown out of heaven. It's actually how sin came onto earth because we see in the Genesis account, in Genesis chapter 3, that the Lucifer came as a serpent and tempted Adam and Eve to sin. That sin broke fellowship between men and woman and our loving Heavenly Father. And then we see all kinds of bondage, decay, destruction, enter into the world through the fall of man. In fact, Lucifer would become known as Satan. Lucifer, meaning morning star, his name would be changed to Satan, who is known as adversary. He's the accuser of the brethren. And the enemy would steal, kill, and destroy, according to John chapter 10, brought tremendous pain and suffering onto the earth. So I can't suppose to know what an angel is actually thinking. But I imagine that the angel Gabriel had tremendous excitement in his heart as he was understanding that he was coming to bring the announcement of the solution to sin and the one who would oppose Satan and actually dethrone him and set up a righteous kingdom. He came to announce the birth of Christ, the Messiah of Jesus. That's the significance of Gabriel. Now Gabriel would come to another character, and that's who I want to turn our attention to now. 
says this in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Mary, the age of probably many of you young women in here. Scholars believe she was either in her late teens or perhaps in her early 20s. Says the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. You'll, re- you'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked, since I'm a virgin. You know, it says of Mary that she was troubled and she was afraid. So oftentimes we put God in a box. We think that he'll come to us in our devotional book with our little cup of coffee at Starbucks. And yet God is a supernatural God. And so oftentimes when we encounter him in his sheer glory and his majesty, it actually is overwhelming. I think uh, about how we can not understand God as he reveals himself in scripture, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Instead, we want God to come to us as a little house cat. This summer I had the chance to be in South Africa. We visited a big cat farm and we came upon a white white lion, the most majestic and gargantuan animal that I had ever seen. And as we were there, just his purr reverberated in our chest and then they went to feed him and he leaps up and growls and I watched everyone take a step back you know let me ask you this Christmas is God the lion of the tribe of Judah in your life or have you relegated him to be a little kitten that you just want to to be nice and stay in his place in your living room You know, when Mary encountered God, it was overwhelming. When she encountered this angel, it overwhelmed her. And it says this in verse 35, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I imagine that Mary was tremendously nervous, but I bet she was excited. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I imagine in this room today are people like Mary. You're given a word, you know that God has spoken something to you. Maybe it's your child is going to come to the Lord, but right now as you look at that kid, you think they're so far from God, or maybe it's a reconciliation in your marriage, and as you look, all you see is destruction, or perhaps it's financial provision, but you look at your bank account and it looks hopeless. Perhaps it's your destiny, and you think, God, how could this ever happen? I, I, there's no way. I want you to take note of this word, because this is a word from the Lord to some in this room. Verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. Beloved, if God's spoken a word to you today, hold on to it. It's his power, not yours. 
He is a miracle-working God, and he loves to act on behalf of those whose hearts are wholly his. Let's move to the next character. We move to the book of Matthew. It says this. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Here is the interesting situation that I've been meditating on this year. Where the angel came to Mary before she was pregnant, he waited to appear to Joseph till after his fiance was already pregnant. Why do you think this happened? The angel could have easily come beforehand. I believe it was a test. Do you know that sometimes following God causes us to be misunderstood by people? Do you know that sometimes we have to be willing to endure shame or disgrace for a season while we wait on God to act on our behalf? Do you know, I think there was another test too, and we find it here. It says he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. This was a grace test. Would Joseph be gracious to his fiance? You see, so oftentimes when God wants to give a gift, we have to go through a test first before we can receive it. Jesus would come full of grace and truth. But isn't it interesting that that grace gift would first be tested to see if grace would be extended? Let me ask you this question. Is there someone in your life this Christmas time who needs grace from you? I find oftentimes as we're gathering with family, as we're coming to a season where we gather with our friends, that there's so often pain. And we don't want to be with someone. We know we should pick up the phone and call our estranged brother or sister or try to reconcile with our mom or dad, but they don't deserve it, so we don't want to do it. I love how in this story, Joseph offered grace even when he didn't feel like his fiance deserved it. And you know what happens? As soon as he does that, that's when he has the encounter with God himself. That's when God sends the angel. Can I just tell you that God will give you strength to offer grace to people this Christmas. And as you do it, he'll reward that. Look at what happens next. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. In case you're unfamiliar with this story, Joseph isn't Jesus' biological father. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And that is why we are able to say and through the centuries make the decree that he was born of a virgin Mary, but he was fully God and fully man. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Can I just tell you this Christmas that he wants to be Emmanuel in your life? 
He wants to be God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. Let's continue our story as we look at Mary and Joseph together. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place at the time of Quirinius, who was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. How fascinating that the coming of the Messiah happened in the midst of a journey. Have you ever just sat and thought about this? Uh, God knows when all things are going to happen. And I believe he had plenty of time to book reservations at the Ritz-Carlton Bethlehem. And yet, he sent his son in the midst of a young peasant couple being displaced. Being displaced by a, a tyrannical king who for his own glory and renown wanted to take a census and would uproot people and make them go to a village even when a woman was nine months pregnant. Can I just tell you, this speaks so deeply to me because this has been a year of instability globally. There's been an amazing refugee crisis, the greatest of our lifetime. There's been tremendous terrorist attacks. This has been the craziest year politically in perhaps the last century in the United States. And yet God demonstrates through the Christmas story that he can intervene despite what the rulers and authorities of the nations are doing and decreeing. You might feel helpless today. You might feel hopeless. You might not like how things are going. Perhaps you even feel disadvantaged or oppressed. Can I just tell you that God can send help in the midst of your situation? And he sent Jesus in the middle of a journey. We, we as humans, we like to settle. We want to settle down. We like things to be stable. We like to know step by step by step. But Jesus comes in the middle of our journey. It says this, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Then we go on to the next characters. They're very beloved. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. <laughs> but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all the things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, if we put the shepherds in a modern scenario, they'd be the perfect candidates for the TV show Dirty Jobs. You know, we glamorize shepherds, but truly they'd have more of a menial work, something that you probably didn't have to have a high and sophisticated education for, someone that many in society would snub and perhaps they'd be like a migrant worker out in a field that so many in society could discount And yet you understand that that's actually who God sent an angel to, to announce his son's birth. Can I just tell you that God loves the poor? The Bible says this, blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of God. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, that it's not the mighty and the noble that God chose, but God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Why? So that no one may boast before him. Perhaps today you're feeling poor. Perhaps you were actually financially poor. Can I just tell you that God has chosen you to be rich in faith? I think about a story, a true story something that happened 100 years ago, 90 miles north of here, the Azusa Street Revival, where God visited a group of people in what had been a stable. And he used a man who was blind in one eye, an uneducated son of a slave, William Seymour, to bring into our nation the greatest revival of all time, which has brought in over 100 million people into the kingdom. You know, God chooses people that are different than those that we might choose. And perhaps you're not financially poor today. Perhaps you feel poor in spirit. Can I tell you that you're a wonderful candidate for God to come and light upon with his grace and his power. I love the shepherds because the shepherds don't just encounter the angel, but the shepherds are then chosen to go around the countryside and the villages proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. Can I just tell you that God has chosen you, even if you don't feel qualified, even if you don't feel gifted, even if you don't feel like you came from a place of position or prestige, he wants to use you. And then I love these next characters. It says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, or wise men, Another translation says kings from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. And they bowed down and worshipped him. You know, I love these magi. I also love camels. And here's why. In case you think that God only chooses the poor, God also invites every person, even those who come from prominence and wealth and prestige, but their journey is different. They saw a star, and I believe that many people that Christmas saw that star in the sky, yet these men alone were the ones that took the thousand-mile journey. Why? Because they were students. Why do we love the the game hide-and-seek so much? You know, all children, my my children always want to play hide-and-seek, and and even babies, if you notice, they have their own version of hide-and-seek. It's called peekaboo. Why do we love it? It's because innate in humans is the desire to search out something of worth and then to have tremendous joy when you find it. The Bible actually says it's the glory of of kings to conceal a matter. And then the glory of the wise to search it out. These wise men were searching out a matter. They had seen the star, but they had already known from the prophecies that a king would be born that that star denoted the coming of a king and they were willing to make themselves uncomfortable to go on a long journey in order to worship the king. Although they were kings themselves, they knew that there was something more important than them. Here's my point. So many times Christmas really becomes about us, about me. Like I get really excited about Christmas, but it's because of what I get to do. I get to decorate my tree, I think you guys are really distracted with a camel. Uh, then, the, then the camel walked off. Thank you. Let's give a hand to the camel and its wonderful trainer. Many of us, the reason we're excited about Christmas is because of what the season brings. Christmas music, We love the special Christmas drinks. We love decorating the tree. We love the presents we might receive. We love the parties we might get to go to. For me, I really love the Hallmark Channel and all the romantic comedies we get to watch. Kind of embarrassed about that, but. But Christmas, as the wise men show us, is not about me. It's about him. Christmas isn't about my kids. I love my children, I want them to be blessed, but most of all, I want my kids to know that Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about Jesus. And what we see in the example of wise men is it says they came and they bowed down. Is that the posture of our heart this Christmas? You know that the only appropriate response to Christmas is to bow our hearts, to come before Jesus and bow. And then it says this, this is fascinating, because this is true worship. It says, then they opened their treasures, and they brought him treasures of of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh. 
You know, they understood Jesus. They studied Jesus. Gold is the treasure for a king. Frankincense, the treasure for a priest. And incense used in worship. And myrrh, an embalming for those who have died. See, they understood Jesus. My question is for you, will you go through this Christmas and just enjoy the season? Or will you draw nearer and understand who Jesus is? more at the end of the season than at the beginning. That comes through pursuing him. These men pursued him and thus they encountered him. You know, Christmas is all about a little baby and that baby was Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful baby? Wow. That's actually uh, Jesus said uh, instead of Jesus, but it's a girl. Uh, just look at this scene it's not just about these characters it's about what God was doing in the hearts of different people and Jesus wants to do something special in our hearts this Christmas look at these characters who do you relate to this year is it Mary you know, someone who said, be it done unto me as you say. Now, let me just ask you, this, this Christmas, one of the greatest gifts you can give is ultimate surrender. And that's what Mary said. She surrendered. Or is it Joseph? You extend the gift of grace to someone around you. You're willing to, to suffer disgrace for the sake of Jesus. Is it the shepherds? Are you in a place where you say, man, I don't have much to give, or I feel so inadequate, I feel so unworthy. Yet God, you're the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. Come and meet me, and I will boldly declare who you are to the world around me. And hopefully for all of us, it's the wise men that we make a commitment this Christmas season to seek him with all our hearts, and not to just say, I'll bow down and posture myself in worship. But you know what? I will give my gifts. I will give that which is costly to me. That's the whole reason we have this crazy Christmas offering next weekend. is so that we can show, not just through our songs, not just through our, our body postures, not just through our church attendance, but we can show through our treasures. We want to bless the poor. Jesus said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. So I want to give to the the poor in these schools and the different ones that are, are less privileged and even if you're poor to say you know what at least I can give trusting that God's going to give back to me I want to give to letting his name be known throughout the whole earth just like the shepherds did I want to give to letting the world know and missions and lastly I want to give to building his church I want to give to advancing his kingdom so that the world might know and so that people can come in and find family and a place where they're accepted and loved. Let's give a hand to our actors as they leave the stage. Would you just stand to your feet as we conclude our service? Would you close your eyes with me? Hopefully you've enjoyed our time, but now if you close your eyes, I want you to ask God, 
Who am I supposed to relate to today in this Christmas story? God, what are you doing in my heart? We just ask him that right now. Just say, God, what are you doing in my heart today? Because whenever we meet, we want to take one step closer to Jesus. In all our services, we like to give people an opportunity to actually meet Jesus. Today, you might say, I don't actually know for sure if he's living in my heart. I don't know if my sins are forgiven. I don't know if I'll spend eternity in heaven. If you don't know, Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. He paid a debt that you couldn't pay. When he died, he shed his blood, and his blood is actually the the price that was paid for your sins, and it washes us clean. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death. And he wants to enter into your life. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation that he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone opens the door, he'll come in and commune with him. And if you've never given your life to Jesus or if you've walked far away from him and you don't think he's in your life, I want to pray with you right now. You can just pray this simple prayer with all your heart right after me to say, Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising for me. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you just keep your eyes closed right now, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you today and you're saying, yeah, Pastor, I'm praying and giving my life to Jesus, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray a prayer over you right now. If that's you, just look up at me real quick and just wave at me like this. I'm not going to point you out, but just wave at me. Awesome. Just all over this room. Awesome. Who else? Just wave at me. Awesome. Awesome. Who else? Just look up at me. Make sure I, I make eye contact. Awesome. I see you too. Awesome. I see you too. Who else? It's all over this room. Awesome. Lord, I just pray over these ones that are receiving you. I thank you that you're removing their sins from them and that their names are being written in your book in heaven and they'll spend eternity with you. And we just celebrate now. Let's just celebrate, church, the ones that are giving their lives to Jesus. And if I could just have my prayer team come forward right now and line the front. And if you were just raising your hand, I want to encourage you to come forward and be prayed for. We're going to give you a book to help you in your walk with the Lord. But I also want to pray for you. If you're sick today, we want to lay hands on you and pray for the healing power of God. If your marriage is in distress and you want to grab your spouse, if your family's hurting and you just say, I need my whole family prayed for, we want to invite you forward. If you're in financial need today, let's give God a chance to bring a breakthrough by praying for you. If you're in a place of depression or despair or hurting in any way, Christmas is a hard time. We want to pray for you. I just ask you to just make your way right out of your seats right now. We're going to wait for you. Just make your way right out of your seats. Even if you're in the middle of the aisles, we'll make room for you. And you just come now as we sing a song together. Don't be shy. We want to pray for you. We want to give you an encouraging word. We want to put our hand on your shoulder. You come now as you need prayer. And we're going to sing one last song. Church, let's give a hand to the ones that are being bold and coming right now. We're going to wait for you. Just come forward if you need prayer this morning. Prayer team, just step forward and meet these different ones that are coming. We want to pray for you. Prayer team, if you'd step forward, these different ones that are coming down the aisle, we want to pray for you. Just come on all the way down. Let's just sing. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christmas is all about Jesus. We just want to adore him now with our song. Let's lift our voices. Let's lift our hearts, church. If you need prayer, we're going to wait for you down here. Just come as we sing this last song.